Jonathan of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed from Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I'm Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them. And they asked, what, do you, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm? What should, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied. It will become calm. I know that it was my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as, uh, as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now, the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Thanks, Emma. Lovely. It's an age-old story, perhaps one of the most well-known in all of the Bible. <clears throat> What a true story, nevertheless, as we said last time. So look, if you missed the intro, it was a couple of weeks ago, you can find it online, have a listen to it. It really lays the, the backdrop <coughs> to the whole book. And we're going to go through Jonah at a much faster pace than we do some New Testament books, because we're doing big picture preaching, just looking for Jesus and, and for important things that he's teaching us through his word. Hey, let me tell you, okay, look, I'm not always keen on preachers, always talking about themselves and stories about their lives, but I couldn't avoid this one. Please forgive me. Uh, so I was what, uh, how old would I have been? Eight, eight and a half. I was in foster care. And, and 
I started one of those habits that's hard to break. Uh, I mean, you know all about this, Nikki. You know, I started speeding. <laughs> and I, I was, it started with 50 pence. So from uh, you know, my parents, my carers, I was in foster care. You know, 50 pence and a quid. You know, one pound. Back in those days, it was one pound notes. Okay. One pound is about, uh, what's one pound? Two dollars. So thank you. There you go. Um, and then it, it kind of went up to uh, five pounds. Uh, and I'm only eight. Five pounds is a lot of money for an eight-year-old. Ten pounds? Twenty pounds? Okay. Back in those days, you had 50 pound notes. I mean, that's a lot of money. That's a hundred dollars. What? A couple of years ago. No, $100 a long time ago, 30 odd years ago. And so, so I had this 50 pound note, right? And, and then I was down at, so I used to walk to school back in the day when you sent your kids walking when they were eight. I can't imagine doing that today, can you? And so I'm stuck to the, the shop where I, where I get all my goodies from. So instead of getting a 10p mix, 10 pence mix of sweets, you get a lot of sweets for 10 pence, I was having like a two pound mix. <laughs> so, so you can you can imagine how many bags of uh, look. I'm not this. Don't try this at home, okay? And you can imagine how many sweets you can buy for two pounds. Anyway, who should walk in? But my foster mum. Okay. Now they had already suspected something was going on because you know who doesn't need a fifty pound? Not going. Are you what? Are you are you wally? And here I am, my hands <laughs> full of sweets. And I only get 20p from my, you know, from my stuff each day. And so I, I was cool. And I think I remember she was quite calm. She was like, your dad, will, your dad will sort this out when he gets home tonight. And I knew what that means. Boy, did I have a, did I have a bad day at school all that day. I was thinking, what am I going to do? So I still had like 40, 48 pounds left, you know. And what am I going to do with... No, I still had the 50 pound notes. I still had money that I stole previously I was using. So I still had the 50 pound notes. I'm like, what am I going to do when I got home? If they discover me with this, I'm going to be in big trouble. So what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? Nikki? Threw it away. Well, you'd think if I had any sense, I'd put it back. Wouldn't you put it back? No. No, neither did I, Graham. And I went to the toilet, lifted the lid. No, not the toilet. I went to the chute. We lived in an apartment, okay? Five stories high. No, no, sorry, let me get this right. It's been a long time. I went to the toilet, lifted the lid, put it into the toilet, flushed the chain, and I forgot about it. When my foster dad came home later, he goes, we know you've had 50 pounds. Where is it? So what did, what did the man say? I flushed it. I couldn't tell him I flushed it down the toilet because you can't find it again, can you? So I said to him, Oh, it's down the chute. And we lived four stories high. And it went down four stories. And there was a big eight-foot beam at the bottom. It catches everybody's gunk and rubbish. Everything you can imagine. Then I asked why I said he went down the chute. Why didn't I just tell him I flushed it down the toilet? And I said, oh, I put it down the chute. What do you think he did? You went and looked for it. No. He went down there, climbed into this bin, <coughs> emptied it. I don't know how much of it he took out. I mean, fifty dollars. I mean, fifty quid is a lot of money, you know. So he's only he's getting madder and madder and madder, isn't he? Eventually, anyway, at the end of all that, not finding the money, all covered in filth now. Him, not me. Me standing there thinking, it's down the toilet. It's down the toilet. It's down the toilet. 
Okay? Okay. Don't eat my mitzvah. And then it comes, then it was my turn. And it hurts. <laughs> really hurts. The belt. Okay? Back in the day. And it hurts. I've still got the marks there, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that's why I don't wear swim, swimming trunks anymore. Only swim shorts. Anyway, so I had the belt. Straight afterwards, guess what? No, 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 I learned my lesson, bro. You went yeah, I learned my lesson now. I, I ended up banksman. <laughs> you, okay. you went to the toilet and I was still flooding there. No, no. It took me out to the local chippy. And it was a lovely Indian, and it bought me a lovely curry. Why do you think he did that? To show he still loved you. Yeah, and because he hated doing what he did. Oh. Hey, I know this is when you've got nice with a parent. Who here likes this? Okay, sometimes it's necessary. Not the belt. But no, not the belt, okay? Okay, not the belt. Well, sometimes it's necessary, isn't it? Hey, after the belt, I felt a curry. My favorite. <laughs> it kind of took the pain away, it took the sting away somewhat. Okay? Until the next day is another story. Okay? Jonah, Jonah knew he was going to get the belt. He deserved the belt. He ran away from a direct, direct, Command of God. He was going to get the big belt. And yet, what does God do? Gives him the curry. Buys him a meal. Three days. Puts him up in a hotel for three days, doesn't it? He shows him love and mercy and kindness. Not only does he show him wonderful love, mercy and kindness, he spares him. God uses his opportunity to, do you know about penal colonies? They're not penal colonies. What are they? You know, we'll be put people in prison. So they, they used to be penal colonies, penal meaning punishment. But now these days they're called, yeah, yeah, or correction facilities. Did, did you been in one recently, did you say, Helen? Yeah, yeah. Rehabilitation. God doesn't put Jonah into a penal colony. He takes him aside and he teaches him something. He's good to him. He's gracious to him. He's merciful. And that's what we're going to see in chapter 1. That's, not, that's the sermon today, okay, in case you don't want to stay and know the wind's bad. But that's where we're going. Instead of giving him the belt, he buys him a curry. And how, and how can God do that? Because, because, because the soul who sins... God is absolutely clear. He's contradicting his own word here, isn't he? The soul who sins, Ezekiel, I forget what chapter it is. The soul who sins shall die. He should have died, shouldn't he? How can God, how can God do that? Well, I want to show you that to you at the end this morning. How are we doing for time? Okay, my watch, this is an hour behind still. The last thing on the time. I found this out yesterday in all my boxes. Okay, so uh, it's five to eleven. Okay, I've got twenty twenty five minutes. Haven't I? Let me begin. Let me begin. Here's our heading. Okay, God catches up with Jonah. God catches up with Jonah, and the subheading we're getting from it today 
And the message of this chapter is that there's mercy in failure. Mercy in failure. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. So Jonah is a man of God, he's a prophet. This wasn't a regular thing. I know Jerry sometimes. And Jerry, you once gave a word to me four and a half years ago, which was the very word I needed. God bless you. And you don't have the power of that. And the impact it had on my life. And I saw it another day. Sometimes God gives us a word, doesn't he? You know, a, a prophetic word, a word of knowledge. Now, just sometimes just wisdom, you know, someone just has a, has a wise word to say to you. You know, you know, make sure you, you know, bring the washing in today. It's going to be, it's going to rain tomorrow. Jonah lived in a time where that wasn't commonplace. The word of the Lord was rare. Okay? And the only people generally who had the word of the Lord were very special people. Prophets. They were especially pointed by God. They carried a lot of weight on their shoulders. And when they received, they were God's agents to receive his word and to proclaim his word. And when his word came to them, they had but one task, which was? Proclaim it. Yes. Because the only thing they had to do, they sat on their lollies most of the time doing nothing. They only had one job to do. When the word came, it's like firemen. That's a bit of an ambition when you were a kid. I joined the fire brigade one day. This will be like, no, I'll be doing it 45 years later <laughs> in Forreston. Okay? Right, right. Look, all he had to do is wait on God for a word. And when he came, word of the Lord came to Jonah, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because his wickedness has come up before me. That's crazy, isn't it? And here's the thing, it's not only clear, boy, this is what Israelites love. What do they love? And, and look, and, and I say this with, with, with good historical reasons of saying it, at least historically, what do the Jews love? Because look at the word he's got, go and proclaim fire and brimstone. God is saying, isn't he? What do what do the Jews love? Preaching to their nation, to the nation around them. Yeah, you're damned. You're going to burn. They love this. This is like meat and what does that say? Meat and you see, yeah, this is like meat and potatoes to a prophet. Yeah, I've got my commission. We're going to do Jonah. I'm going to bring fire down in Nineveh. You think he ought to love this and gone? Hadn't you? Hadn't he? I mean, this was exactly the type of message you wanted because what did, uh, if, if they look, you know, uh, you know, uh, the Jews, uh, the, you know, what they say about the Jews, they used to hate the Romans. You can understand why they hated the Romans. But before the Romans, they hated somebody more. Who did they hate more than the Romans? Assyrians. The Ninevites, the Assyrians. Ninevites is the capital city, Nineveh. They hated the Assyrians. And so when God says to him, go and proclaim judgment, destruction, what do you think Jonas should have also have done? And asked which way later. Okay? <laughs> Verse 6. But when Jonah ran away, but, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. If you could even that, okay? <laughs> I know it's just someone today. It doesn't feel the same now as it used to before you arrived. Okay? What does Jonah do? And he isn't running to, to Nineveh. He really, I'm, I'm not being facetious here. He really would expect him to go 
run there because it was the very message he wanted to hear, but he runs in the opposite direction. Let me tell you, look, he lives in Gath Hefer. That's where he lives, okay? He's 12 miles, you know, uh, 18K, okay? Because, you know, if you do Americans, if you study American material, everything's back in the good old days of English terminology, miles, okay? Let me do Ks, okay? He's about 18, 19 Ks uh, from uh, the lake. Okay. <coughs> Where's, hang on, <coughs> a second, um, you can get the map up for it, look, here it is, there, Nineveh is in that direction, what's that, it's east, okay, mm. Tarshish is in that direction, that's west, okay, Jonah, instead of going east, oh, instead of going over 500 miles east, he goes over 500 miles, 2,500 miles west. Instead of catching, <coughs> what do you think, hey, what form of transport do you think you'd use if you go from Joppa to uh, Nineveh? Camel. Yeah, camel or walk. Camel, if you can afford it, or walk if you can't. He probably walked through the prophets for no money. Okay? What form of transport does he take? <laughs> Three masters. Yeah, that's fine money. Okay? You, can't, you can't get to Nineveh on a ship, right? Okay? Have a guess. Why? You think this is a message he wants to hear. He hates Ninevites, okay? God told him to go and proclaim destruction to them. You think he'd been waiting years for a word to come. And when it finally comes, he runs. Why? Why? Have a guess. We did this in Hungary, didn't we? Why does he flee? Have you done it in Hungary yet? Hey, we're actually ahead for once. Yeah. I know. Let's keep yeah. it that way, Nikki. Let's keep it that way. Okay. Why does he run? Because he knows God. And what does he know about God? God's mercy. His mercy. The very. Because this is what he fears. They're doomed. They're going to get God's destruction. Okay. And no one's going to tell them what they're doing is wrong. Because if somebody tells them they're doing something wrong, what might they do? Kill the prophet. Or they may kill the prophet. Or they may do something worse than kill the prophet. They may turn around and start being good. That's the trouble. If he goes there and he started talking about God and God's angry with you and he's going to destroy you, what might they do? They might actually think, hey, we're bad people, let's get our hands through, let's get destroyed. And God would then be in inclined to do what to these people instead of destroying them? Be nice to them. And he hates the Ninevites. Jonah doesn't want to go there and give them a chance. Okay? There's no way he's going to give them a chance to hear the truth. He wants them to be in darkness because in darkness they've got it coming. And he's waiting for it to come. And so Jonah flees the other way. Look, that's chapter 4, we get there. He goes, the reason he flees, because he knew what God was up to. There's only one reason God was sending Jonah to preach to them. Why would God bother preaching to them? He just destroyed them if he wanted to. He did that with, he did that with Sodom, didn't he? He did that with Gomorrah. Jonah knows there's only one reason God wants him to go there. To save them. To save them. And there is no way Jonah is going to be responsible to his people to save them. Where you been, Jonah? 
Nineveh. Great! Did you give it to them? Are they destroyed? Well, actually, no, because of me, they've all turned to dust. How do you think that will go down in his hometown when he gets back? That's what Jonah says the words. Verse 4, then the Lord sent a great storm, great wind on the sea. Such a violent, so violent that the ship began to break up. So look, the Lord sent a great wind. Here's God saying, hey, I've seen it. And that's what's going on here, isn't it? It's God saying, I know. I know. It's, it's what my foster mom stepped into the shop, isn't it? You know, it's, now I know. I suspected it before, but now I know. And that's what's happening here. It's God saying, I know, Jonah, I can see. Do you really think I can't see? I can stand there, Jonah, and see what the Ninevites are doing. Don't you think I know where you're going? And do you really think the sea is a boundary to me? That's what's going on here, isn't it? It's God. He's not going to doubt you. You're going to see that. He's not going to doubt you. This isn't anger in that sense. Okay, because if this was anger... What would Jonah's position be right this second? He'd be gone. He'd be gone. He'd be, he wouldn't even be around. God wouldn't need a storm, would he? He'd just zap him and he would, his heart would stop. If you think God getting angry, if you God was angry with him, he would have just said, Don't touch me, curse me. No, I think this is God just letting Jonah know he's there. He's telling you, look, John, hey, hey, I know, mate. I know where you are, mate. Okay, I found you. Okay, look, it was so bad, the ship, the ship was threatening to break up. Verse 5 says, the sailors were afraid. They threw the cargo into the sea. So this show of awareness by God, it's big enough to get Jonah's attention, you think. Because he's got everybody else's attention. I mean, for a sailor to be afraid, look, if I go in the sea, and it's a bit choppy, we know we're going to see next Saturday, mate. If it's a bit choppy, I'm out, okay? Okay? You can do that, right? Thanks very much. For a sailor to be afraid and begin to empty the ship, just to tell you, this thing that God is doing is pretty serious. It's pretty serious. <coughs> Verse 5, and all the sailors were afraid. Each one cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea, but Jonah went below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. It's true. It's, it's, you know sometimes, you know when your kids, they should have been, I'll get older, but they know they should be asleep. Okay, so you know what they, you know what they do, don't you? <laughs> Look, I know you're not asleep. Okay? This isn't one of those situations. Jonah <coughs> really fell into sleep. In absolute chaos. You know the ship is nearly sinking. Or what's the or look, you don't need a speed level to work out what's the a horizontal well, I need a pilot here at the moment. What's that thing called that measures your all? Uh, artificial horizon. There you go. You know, it, you don't need one of those to figure out what position is what position is Jonah in. And how much is his, is his position changing? His orientation. Constantly, constantly. It's, there's absolute chaos 
situation is causing absolute devastation all around me. But Jonah? devastation and pain and torment to everyone around us but we ourselves are in absolute ignorance and brutalness a weird sense of bliss completely unaware sin can do that to you sin does that to you that's how people continue in it you ever wonder how could somebody do that for so long? Because that's what it does to you. It's 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 uh, it, it sends you to sleep, deeply sleeping. How do you think David, the great? What did I say about David? What complimentary thing you said about David? The man after God's own heart. You won't find a more godly person <coughs> in Scripture. How could he? take? Not only to, to what he did with Bathsheba, but what he did to her husband. How long does that take? It took him a large amount of time to organize warfare in that way, to have him assassinated. Okay. How long was that? And this is the man after God's own heart. How could he? Because he went below deck Disobedience, walking from God, can leave you in the deepest, deepest sleep. I mean, that's what Jonah was doing. But he's really awakened. Look, they come down to him because everyone else is trying to help. But this guy's asleep, for goodness sake. You can imagine the report that gets to the captain because he's everyone here. He's everyone here. Because now Jonah's asleep. Hence why the captain goes down. I mean, he's obviously mad, isn't he? Look, how can you sleep? Get up. Jonah is finally awake and the sailors come, said to each other, come, said to each other, come let us cast lots to see who's responsible for this calamity. And, the, and they cast the lot, and the lot fell on Jonah's lot. Okay. This is superstition, obviously. It's what pagans do. If you want to work something out, you threw, you know, you know, you, you know, you threw the lot to some form of you know die. Uh, and you believe in your pagan heathenism, paganism even, okay, that the gods will somehow direct it. It's nonsense, obviously. But God hijacks it in this scenario, doesn't he? God hijacks a completely ungodly thing and speaks through it because the lot falls on, on him. Jonah, and it's not by chance, and, and it's not because uh, these heathens had a well-honed practice of working out 
you know, what the odds are, what the future should be. No, 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 no. Whatever happened previously to this occasion, however random this thing may have been, or whatever they may have believed, on this occasion, God hijacks this practice and ensures the loss for all things and souls. And look, it's their practice, and, and they, they already have confidence this is going to be their God's way of speaking to them. So as soon as he lands on Jonah, they convince he's the guilty one. Tell us, verse 8, tell us, okay, who's responsible for making this trouble worse. What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? What are your peoples? Look, I think they say, look, you look like a nice guy. Okay, so who was it? I think they, that's what, can you see what they're doing? They don't even blame Jonah, do they? He's like, what have you done, you scoundrel? It's not like that. It's like, what's going on? Is there something in you? Who's after you? You know, what have you done to the gods? You know, or what have your family, people done to the gods? And so they can't quite bring themselves around to blaming him, but they, they know it's to do with him. And so he answers verse 9. And we said that to this in a home group, didn't we? You know, what do you, how, how do you share the gospel with somebody? How do you tell someone about God? Just tell them your life story, you know, briefly. You know, t- give them your testimony. And look how brief this is. I am a Hebrew. And I worship Jehovah, the God of heaven. He, call, he uses his name, Jehovah, the Yahweh. It's, it's closer to the pronunciation that he would have used. Okay? <coughs> the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. And notice their reaction. They're terrified. Why? Well, what's made them female? Yeah, because they all believe in God. And, you know, you can, you can attribute the throw of a die to a God. Who knows? Who can prove it? But when you're in the sea and it's completely calm, uh, completely calm and out of the blue and you're being a fisherman, there's chaos unlike you've never seen before when on the bomb site that told you it was going to be calm. Okay? They knew this was divine. They knew they had never seen a God show up like this before. Oh, he turned the die in their favour, okay? But for a, for, for a being to do something like this, on this scale, oh, this was conversion. I think that's what's going on here. This is the terror of being confronted. Well, it's not conversion quite yet, we're getting there, but it's the terror of being confronted with the almighty And so finally, what have you done then? <laughs> what have you done? Because uh, obviously we're only getting snippets. We're not getting the whole conversation in the Bible, are we? Because he's already told them. Look, he's already told them that he's fleeing from God. From verse 11. So he's told them he's obviously he's fleeing. Verse 11, the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm? He's obviously told them he works for God. He's got an inside track. So he's like, okay, then, well, you know him. Well, what does he want? What do you do when you disobey this God, who's obviously the real God? What do you do? How do you mend this? What do you give him? Do you give him a goat, a bull? We've got some of those on board. What, what, what do you want? What do we have to do? That's what they're thinking, isn't it? This God obviously needs appeasing. He needs a propitiating. He obviously wants something. What do we do, mate? We've got a cow. We've got a bull. How many does he want? I think that's what's going on here. You know, what do we do? What have you done? 
And so, so they are, and then his response is not a cow, not a bull, not a grain offering. These aren't bad men. These aren't bad men. I know the Jews thought everybody outside of Israel was a dead dog. They're not bad men. Okay? Can I tell you something, friends? We're not the goody two shoes of our world. We're not. We're sometimes worse than our world. They're not all bad people. Okay? They're really decent and lovely people out there, just like they are here. They're not bad people. Okay? And these aren't bad guys. This, there's no way they are going to take this man and, and, and effectively throw him to his death. There's no way they're going to do that. Look, he says, look, throw me to the sea. I know it's my fault. I'm the reason. I've run, okay? And the way things work with this God is that, look, look, because of me, because of who I am, there is no way he's going to be happy with the goat. There is one way for this, okay? It's me. It's me. It's got to be me. But listen to verse 13. Instead, the men did their best to roll back the land. There is no way these decent soldiers, as the sailors, are going to do such an atrocious thing to this man. And so they try and try and try. They did their best to roll back the land. But they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. It's almost as though the God is meeting resistance with resistance, isn't he? You know, so they begin to try and get themselves out of this situation. So God ups the ante. Remember, this isn't God's belt. He's not trying to kill Jonah. He's not trying to destroy Jonah, contrary to how he looks. This is just God making himself aware to Jonah that he's there, okay? Using, it's what the police officers, it's what the police force do, don't they? You use, what's the term, isn't it, for appropriate force? There's some term, isn't there? You know, you respond as a police officer with appropriate force. You don't get it, you've gone out and bang somebody away when they're just standing there, you know, uh, you know, with a tennis bat in their hand. Okay? You use, you know... Well, okay. <laughs> you use appropriate force. God, that's what God's doing. He's using the necessary amount of force to try and get Jonah to where he wants him. He doesn't want to kill these people. And so as the, as the sailors are trying to get away, so God just... Blows a little harder. No, you're not going. Look, I want this man. Okay, give him to me. I want him. I'm not going to kill him. I just, I just want a moment with him. He's, he's my servant. And so then, finally, they cry to the Lord, "Oh Lord," and, and they use His name. This is Yahweh, Yahweh. So this is, I think it's a mark. And commentators suggest this. We did this in home group. Okay, this is a mark that Jonah spends time explaining who this God is. This Yahweh. Okay, they're coming to faith. This is a faith journey. They're now addressing him not just as merely God, the gods. But if I was addressing you as Tony, this is getting personal. Okay, Lord, Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh, please do not, uh, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have shown us <coughs> you are pleased. It reminds us, doesn't it, that even common grace I was listening to this on the way here to, to church this morning uh, on the radio about uh, R.C. Sproul. I, I love that. He's an American theologian. I, I just love Sproul. Just listen to him. He's talking about this natural, we did it in our theology course, general revelation, natural theology, and how, how God has 
put it into as as burdens of the soul of men and women what's right and wrong. Look, these aren't priests, these aren't godly men, and yet they knew it was wrong to kill somebody. You may think that's obvious, it's, it's not obvious to a leopard, is it? It's not obvious to a tiger, that's right, it's obvious to his cage. I'm asking, are you aware that it's, 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 it's against your conscience to kill me? Okay? No, no, it's, it's a grace of God that we know that. These men, our world out there, friends, you know, it's, it's a grace to us all, isn't it, that God has inscribed his law on the hearts of all humans. I know we suppress it, but even murderers can tell you they know it's wrong. They're suppressing their instincts. So these guys, you know, demonstrating this grace of God that we all have these consciences, they asked for mercy, and then in verse 15, they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and finally the raging sea grew calm. If they, if they doubted before that this God is real, they knew now. They knew now. How this meant the at this men greatly feared the Lord and they offered sacrifices to the Lord. You see, see God, it was bad enough he went from nothing to a storm. That could happen, couldn't it? But no one had ever seen a storm disappear like that. And remember that all of Scripture is prophetic, isn't it? And when you're reading this, where, where does your mind go? It does, doesn't it? To Jesus. And the very similar scenario when a storm just disappears. And again, I'm sure there's an echo there in Scripture. Okay, and so Jonah's in the sea, the storm calms down, it seems to be instantaneous. And you think, or they would think, that Jonah would die. Jonah thinks he would die. But this is a God who's merciful. Listen, the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. Not to eat him up, to give him room service. It's beautiful. But God was saying, he did it for you earlier, didn't he? But God is saying, hey, I just want you alone with me. Look, look, Jonah, I, I know I, I know you want to go there. I knew you wouldn't want to go there. That's why I told you to go. But Jonah, this isn't just about the Ninevites, mate. Hey, Jonah, there's something I want to do with you. Yeah, you work for me, but you haven't been on this professional development course, and you need that just now. And so he takes him aside, he shuts him up from the world, completely alone. And there deals with him. You see, well, John has forgotten. He, he knew Exodus. He, he had the scriptures. He should have known. This is what it said about the Lord when he, when he said to the soldiers, throw me over because God's only going to be satisfied when he's killed me. What a terrible indictment on God. He ought to know better that God wasn't going to do that. He should have known what Moses knew, that the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God was slow to anger. He's abounding in love and faithfulness. He maintains love to thousands and forgives wickedness and rebellion and sin. He should know that. He's a man of God, for goodness sake. He's a prophet. He speaks to him. <coughs> what kind of preacher is he? You think I just zap people every time they do something wrong? You think that you think that's what I'm about? You think I'm going to just zap you just because you didn't do this? You know what someone said to me here in Adelaide? 
you know, oh, if I do that sin, I won't get to heaven. What preaching have you been listening to for goodness sake? You know, if it was on the basis of me sinning and not sinning, there'd be nobody in heaven. You wouldn't be there, see? Nobody would get there. Okay? Yeah. Listen, we've got that. And that's what God's saying to Jonathan. Don't do anything. I'm going to zap you just because you got this wrong. And do you think, and there's a bigger lesson, isn't there? And then he's saying to him, isn't he? Do you think I'm going to zap all those Ninevites just because they got that wrong? Because if we're going to play that game, Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to zap them. Well, let me zap you then. Jonah doesn't want a God to zap people, does he? And that's what's going on here. He's demonstrating this. Look, the disciples learned this. And let me, hey, let me ask you, who do you think was in that storm? Who was behind the storm? Now, think theologically here. I've already said there's, a, there's this point to something in the New Testament. Who was, who was doing that storm? God is a, God is a, is a too wide answer. I want to be specific. It was Jesus. It's Jesus. He's the manifestation of God almost always, isn't he? And so, and here's the thing about Jesus that, that Jonah didn't know. Okay, that John, the disciple who walked with him, says, look, look, this is what John testifies. He goes, look, we've been with him. We've seen his glory. And we can tell you that this God... Doesn't walk around with a belt. This God is what? Full of what? Grace and, Grace truth. and truth. John says, we know him. We've walked with him. And let me tell you, Jonah, if you didn't know it, he doesn't walk around waiting <coughs> to beat you up when you step out of line because this God is full of grace and truth. Verse 17, the Lord that beat men up came with Moses for through Jesus, grace and truth. And isn't that what this God who's after Jonah on that sea, isn't, isn't that what he shows us when he came to our planet? Just look at him. Just, this is what I tell you. Read Jesus. Read Jesus. Read Jesus. Okay, what else you read? Read Jesus today. Because if you don't read something of the gospel today, you, you, you don't know the God you worship. Read him. Because this is what he's like. This is what he does. You know, when he, when he encounters a leper, a leper in the community, where should he have been? In ISO. He should have been in ISO. We know what ISO is like, don't you? He should have been in ISO. Okay, Jesus should have beat up on him. What are you doing here? Of course I'm not going to hear you. What are you talking about, man? Get back to the colony and don't you dare come here again. But what does he do to him instead? Zacchaeus, a traitor to his own people. What do you do with traitors? Okay? What did Jesus do? You know, I invited somebody for a meal with some very, someone very important. Okay? They turned me down. Well, who, who wouldn't? Okay? You know, how busy, you know how busy Jesus is? You know how many invites he gets? And he goes to this crock who's a traitor to his own people. And what does he say to him? What does he do? That he doesn't do for anybody else that day. To this traitor, what does he do? The little, little, the little man who climbed the tree. 
Zakia, thank you. Let's do it. Let's do it again. Because I'm an optimist. I'm an optimist. How do you think that went down? How do you think that went down in the crowd that day? Did you see what he's doing? I wish you the other day. I'm running out of time, I'm sure. John 4, the Samaritan. How many times did this woman be married, for goodness sake? Jesus didn't care. The woman with the issue of blood? Blood the leper? Where should she have been? Not there. Not infecting everybody else with her illness. Okay? And there's Jesus. Jesus delayed to let a girl die in order to deal with, in order to show her mercy. He let a girl die in order to show mercy. And the last one, Jesus. Oh, this gets me every time. What did he think? What did he think? And yes, Jesus made him the leader of his church. Jesus did many, many things for me to show what he's like. <coughs> and they told this incredible, incredible story. There's a father who had two sons. And one of them said to his father, Look, give me, give me my share of the estate. He went and wasted his money and prostitutes and everything else. Now, when he's desperate, when he had nothing else, when he knew what was good for him, he came back to his father. And Jesus said, his father, instead of reprimanding him, sending him away, his own hand ran to greet him, showed him mercy, and loved him. I wonder if here is anything mentioned of all of this. This is the story that Jesus came to tell us. You don't know God. If you think he's about fire and brimstone and beating them up and judging them for the dumb rest of their lives, you don't know where he is. Isn't that what he prayed in his prayer in John 17? Father, the world does not know you. That's what he prayed. They think they know. Do you know what people say to me? Oh, I know like the God of the Old Testament. You don't know. walk around with a stick in his hand. He's full of grace and mercy. He's the father who runs after that wicked kid and smothers him with love. Don't forget that. And the reason he can do this, this is what I said at the beginning, the reason he can forgive Jonah, the reason he can do that is because God has set a day when he himself would judge all the sins of the world in his son. God so loved the world he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish. So Christian, here's my message for you today. Here's my message. If you think God walks around waiting for you to step out of line and beat you up, you don't know him. You don't know him. He's the God you and to save you and to put you back in the right place. 
John will eventually go back on the church. Cave on the mission. Fulfill the mission. Because he's a merciful and gracious and forgiving and pardoning and gracious and loving God. Will you ever forgive God? Mercy. Living Word Bible Church. Teaching the Bible verse by verse.